I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, February 20th, 2022, and this is episode 159 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is rest. I am celebrating rest. I'm celebrating having taken the week off of writing and plotting um, because I think it's important and I constantly need to remind myself to rest because it's not always natural. Like sometimes you go until your body tells you, no, we're not going anymore. We are revolting. There is a mutiny inside and you fall down. And that is not the best idea. So in order to stop that from happening, uh, we have to proactively rest. I will uh, point you in the direction of the Nap Ministry, which is uh, an account that I follow on Instagram that is just gives you reminders that our culture, American culture, is not rest-oriented in the way that some others are. And maybe I should learn more about those countries, like places where they take siestas and they have six weeks of vacation every year and things like that. Completely foreign. So yes, this week I did not write, I did not plot, I didn't do anything um, related to books in that way, but I still was working on my author business. I took the week to do marketing for my next release, Savage City, which comes out March 31st. And so each day during my writing time, I still came and I did my co-writing session with my friends, our online meeting, but I took that time to just write out the marketing plan in more detail create graphics, set up pages, book funnel. Um, I guess I'll go through some of the things that I did. So the first thing, I had two different spreadsheets. I had notes in a text file. It's, it's kind of like my plotting process <laughs> that I've gone over before. So I needed to organize it better. I was going to put it into my main project management system that I use for my day job. But I've tried that in the past and having in, in my mind, it was like, oh, I'll have everything in one place and I'll just be able to do the tasks. But in reality, for some reason, that doesn't work for me. And it hasn't really been super effective in the past. So I was like, well, let me try a different project management system just for my writing business. And I had been working with someone using this program called Asana um, for my day job on, on their project. So they're the project manager and they brought me into their Asana and they really like it. So I was like, well, let me try Asana. I feel like I had tried it before a couple of years ago and for some reason wasn't feeling it then, but now I really like it. So for my website development business, I use a program called ClickUp and these are websites. They're like software as a service, web-based project management, which I really love for that. And I have a whole workflow and I'm starting to use Asana. And so far it's been a week. Uh, I do like it. I'm on the free plan. I don't, I don't think I'll need to change uh, from the free plan anytime soon. And it's just basically, I make my list of things to do. I put my deadlines very similar to how I use my other project manager, but for reasons that I won't go into that are very specific to me and my particular like obsessive nature about certain things. Um, the interface, you know, is just working better for this project. It is very similar to ClickUp. I can look at my tasks in list form. I can plot them on the calendar with their due dates. I can list them in like a Kanban board type of form. But it has its own way of doing things. And yeah, so far that's been good. So I took my various spreadsheets and my notes and tried to just download everything into Asana 
give it due dates and organize it that way and then figure out, okay, what are my priorities? What do I have to get done this week versus the six other weeks until the book is released? And so trying to prioritize that and then start checking things off the list. So that was basically what one day, um, I did have some graphics to make. I'm going to be giving away the first five chapters. And so I had to trim the vellum file. Vellum is the program I use to make ebooks and print books. So I just duplicated that, chopped up the rest of the book. So I just had the first five chapters and exported that. I scheduled some um, posts. I'm going to be doing some meet the character posts, one a week. Um, I actually posted something on Friday after like all week planning and making things and like organizing things. Uh, I did post something about getting on my newsletter because I'm going to be doing newsletter specific giveaways over the course of the next six weeks for the book. And um, shout out to Kiana who is helping with some graphics also and some marketing knowledge. And yeah, organizing things, getting things in place. I'm still working on that. Because sometimes I will burn an hour or two like trying something and then deciding I don't like it after all and I'm not going to do that. Like designing graphics is kind of relaxing to me. I'm not the best designer, but I think I'm pretty passable. And I've just been doing things in Canva, which is another online graphic production program. Sometimes I'll have to pull things into Photoshop if I want a very specific thing that I can't do in Canva. But 99% of the things that I'm doing for my author business, Canva is fine. So yeah, that was most of my most of my week. Um, I did start setting up the first five chapter giveaway in BookFunnel, which is the program that allows allows me to deliver the ebooks to e-readers. And that's basically done. I have to still work on the landing page because I was going in a different direction. You know, there's a lot of places I can put things. I like to keep them on my website. I could just use the BookFunnel page. They, they create like a landing page and I've been going back and forth. I was using this other program because I was going to do a, a referral. Um, like if you refer people to my newsletter, then you could get certain things, but I think I'm moving away from that. And that was one of the things that I spent some time setting up so I could see how it worked. So I could see if I liked it and I didn't quite like it. I've been on the fence. I've been back and forth all week and we just had our mastermind with my author friends. And so I think the conclusion that I've come to is I'm not going to do that, which doesn't mean that that time was wasted. It's like I could use that in the future for something else. Now that I know the features of this um, software that I, I have a license to, sometimes I collect things on AppSumo. So AppSumo is like a newsletter that gives discounts to various tech things. Um, usually every year, at least once a year, they'll have a big sale on deposit photos, for instance. So that's why I've got hundreds of credits on deposit photos, which is a stock photo site. And I use stock photos in advertising and graphics and newsletters and all kinds of things. And I would buy them and like you get a hundred for $39 or something like that. It's gone up. I think it's now $49, but it's still a really good deal. But there are other deals that I get through AppSumo, and sometimes I use them, sometimes I don't. Usually they're very discounted, so even if I don't use it, I don't feel too bad. But I've collected things over the years. I have one for MailPoet, which is a a WordPress-based newsletter system, sort of like MailChimp or MailerLite, but you can host it on your own site using WordPress. And they have their own sending service. And in my mind, I was like, I'm going to switch from MailerLite to MailPoet and just own everything myself. It'll save me 
what 20 bucks a month that I spend on MailerLite. I haven't done that yet. If you will recall, if you are a listener from way back, I think I, I said this in one of the earliest episodes, I started my website development business so I could have extra money on the side to buy stuff I wanted. My, the original thing I wanted to buy way back in 2003 was a head-mounted display. And then it eventually became my full-time job. And so sometimes I do still waste money on cool things that I don't use because <laughs> I'd never used that head-mounted display ever. So yes, that was my week, my my rest week, my marketing week. I still have plenty of tasks to do because I didn't actually complete them all. I was playing around and deciding and, like I said, testing things out and deciding not to do them after all. But I guess that was how I rested. Like I rest by by doing things like that. And um, sometimes it takes a while for me to make the decision and figure out exactly how I'm going to approach something. Or I will have figured it out and then I will change my mind and try something and then change it back, which often happens. Actual writing needs to start happening again, though. Although I think I'm still going to take this coming week a little easy. My goal for the coming week is to start plotting Savage City Book 2, which I do have a title for because I did a poll in my newsletter. So Book 2 is called Beastly Kingdom. And... I know the basics about what happens, but I don't have details. So like just brain dumping. I'm going to be going through the book again, just pulling out quotes for teasers and things, which I should have done during the proofreading stage, but I forgot. I need to write that down. Uh, And so I will be refreshing myself on the plot and moving into plotting book two. So yeah, I've been watching more television and movies than usual since I haven't been writing. I don't know if I would call this filling the well. I don't feel like I've been inspired by the things I've been watching. Although some of them have been really enjoyable. Like we watched the the show Peace, Peacemaker, which my brother asked me, how was it? And I'm not sure. Like I enjoyed it. And there's a certain point where I was like, oh, this is too gory. It's too, what is that word? Laddish, you know, <laughs> it's very boyish, I guess. But I think laddish kind of, I heard someone say that one time and it just felt like the right word for what this is. So it's a little bit juvenile. It's like teenage boy humor, which I guess is grown up boy humor and a lot of violence. But I mean, I watched the whole thing and I was was interested in finishing it out. I didn't want to like, at a certain point I was like, I don't think I want to watch this anymore. There's one specific episode. And, but my husband was really into it. So I was like, all right, I'll I'll just find out what else happens. But I did see that James Gunn, who was the writer and director, I think he wrote all of the episodes. He directed most of them. He had tweeted about the finale that, um, the, the Peacemaker finale had the biggest single day performance for an HBO Max original series ever. And the finale viewing was up 44% over the premiere. So this show had great word of mouth. People were talking about it and recommending it. And yeah, to have the finale be so much more over the premiere, I guess, because it came out week by week. And so the, the premiere, you know, because I was like, how does that make any sense? So you have to watch the first one to watch the last one. But people started watching mid, you know, midstream and then were binging it. And this article, which was in Forbes, 
says that, um, the author says, I also think this lends credence to the argument about binge versus weekly airing. As dumped all at once, Peacemaker would have probably been watched by a small crowd several weeks ago and never talked about since. Instead, it had time to breathe and grow, hence the massive increases it saw by the end of the season. Which makes a lot of sense. I mean, sometimes you need to allow a show to catch some people, like the core audience who are always going to watch it, and then spread with word of mouth, which is always the best advertising, um, and grow its audience organically, which is what it did. And I had been talking about binging versus week by week. Um, we're also watching Bel Air, the dramatic retelling of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which is week by week now. The first three dropped, and now we have to wait. Part of me just sort of um, does think that allowing something, the chance to grow and find an audience makes a lot of sense. The same thing is true in the book world. My agent actually has an interesting thought, which she she said that, she, you know, traditional publishing, most publishers will not publish more than one book a year for an author. And, you know, if you're with multiple publishers, sometimes you'll get two books a year or, or more, but normally it's one book a year. And Sarah, who is my agent, was like, you know, she wishes it was less, like maybe a book every other year. And I think she is coming from the perspective of seeing her authors be burnt out, be tired, be on deadline and stressed out. And if things were spaced out more, they wouldn't be so stressed, which I totally get. On the other hand, you know, a book a year for a traditional author, the the idea is that if you wait too long between releases, readers will forget who you are and, you know, you want to be top of mind. Self-publishers, many of them take that very seriously with more rapid releasing just so because of the algorithm, but also the idea is like you want to always be having a new book out. So people are like, oh, okay. Um, they, they remember you. You're always talking about something new. And so, yeah, there's that kind of balance between having readers forget about you and having authors be completely burnt out and just crispy. The forget about you thing, I don't personally lend a lot of credence to. I mean, there might be uh, evidence in the marketplace that it's true, but like every year I still look and see if Katya Malay has another book out. She wrote one of my favorite books, The Sea of Tranquility. It was the only book she's ever written, at least under that name. Now, if she has a pen name she's been writing under, didn't tell anyone. That happens too. Like Ernesta Carter is now writing a book says under another name. But yeah, I books that hit me and that I love, I look for them. I it might take a couple of years before I was like, whatever happened to Kristen Kishore? And then I looked and she had another book in that series, which I have not read yet because I'm not really reading YA fantasy anymore. But people who whose books touched you, who you really loved, I don't think you forget. I mean, I don't know. There's people I check on, and then I realize I'm not on their newsletter. Like, I want to know when they have a new book out. So let me get on their newsletter. That's one way. Some people don't have newsletters. I don't think Katya Malay has any kind of newsletter, but apparently she's not writing anymore. And maybe one day in a few years, she'll have had inspiration and she'll come out with another book. Or maybe not. But I haven't forgotten about her, and I don't think I ever will. So anyway, different philosophies for different authors and different styles of publishing, but... I don't know. I don't think that your core people are not going to forget about you. Maybe that maybe that advice only really applies to the casual readers who do need to be reminded and um or and will forget you if you're not coming out with something every 12 months or so. I do want to let you know about the 
Pharaoh Feb micro story. There were a group of authors got together and did sort of an exquisite corpse, which when I tell people that no one seems to have ever heard of exquisite corpse. And that was really when I, at least when I was in grad school, everybody knew what it was, but it's like a thing, like a game of telephone, but writing a story together. So one person starts, you can have a prompt of some kind and one person starts and the next person does the next section. And, you know, we split it up into different sections and, so the story goes in different ways and you kind of, it's like an improv class too. You know, there's lots of different analogs to it. It's super fun. I loved it. And I will link to it in the show notes so that you can read our wonderful story about a vampire prince. <laughs> um, yeah, great authors who have lots of creativity. So check out the books, Pharaoh Feb, Fantasy Romance, February, still going on all month long. And speaking of ro- romance, not fantasy though, there are several rom-coms movies out. So we saw Marry Me, which is the one with J-Lo and Owen Wilson, and then also Book of Love, which has the guy from Hunger Games, one of the guys from the second one. <laughs> he was in the other movies too. I don't know his name, obviously. Uh, Marry Me, I think I liked Book of Love more than Marry Me. They both were very light. They were both were fun, but Marry Me didn't have enough I didn't feel the love. Like sometimes in a rom-com, you'll feel these characters falling in love. And that didn't happen for me. I think they spent a lot of time with J-Lo, which is why people are going to see that movie. Totally fine. Owen Wilson, I didn't like his character, honestly. I didn't like how judgmental he was. I didn't like... There were certain things that really just bugged me about that character. And uh, so that tainted my enjoyment of the movie a little bit. Book of Love, he was also a very judgmental character. And I don't know that he redeemed himself because he was out here calling romance filth and you never really understood why he was so anti. Like at first I thought he was going to be like an asexual character because he seemed just, oh, my characters don't have sex. You know, like how can I ever write anything like that? And the premise of the of the movie is that he wrote this very dry literary fiction and his Spanish translator in Mexico completely changed the book and made it a bodice ripper. And it was very popular in his book. Of course, nobody bought So he finds out and he's just horrified and aghast that, you know, there would be sex scenes in his book. And while I felt the characters falling in love more, I don't know that they really redeemed that aspect of him in the same way. They kind of tried to. Regardless, I did enjoy that movie more for whatever reason. So I'm glad that they're making rom-coms. It's interesting that they're all with like 40 and 50 and plus year olds, which, hey, I'm here for it. Like, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, the, the one with um, Sandra Bullock is coming up soon, which I'm also excited to see another romance novel themed rom-com. They tell you so much that youth is in control of this culture, but these movies, these, these actresses are not youthful in the traditional sense of the word. They are very well preserved. I love it. You know, I, I want to be watching rom-coms with 50-year-olds. I think I think it's a good move. <laughs> so that is it for me for this week. Goals, as I said, plot Beastly Kingdom. Or start plotting it because it's might take a while. I don't know. I, it's in my head. It just has to get out of my head and onto some paper or onto a computer. And continue the marketing. And um, I'm still waiting for feedback on my second book from Orbit um, and the proposal for this 1830s project. But I don't need to hear back anytime soon, although, because I don't have deadlines yet, I don't think. I don't know. We'll see. I'm enjoying my break and things come when they come. And so I'm just going to try to flow with it. 
rework my schedule when I get my deadlines and make it happen with hopefully as little stress as possible. So enjoy your week um, and happy reading. For episode show notes and to sign up for the footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. You can email me questions at podcast at lpenelope.com. And I would really appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts. 